Hi, guys. Welcome to the newest episode of the Religion Unplugged podcast. I'm Julian Cheney, the senior culture editor here at Religion Unplugged, and I'm here with a fellow film critic, Joseph Holmes, who Hello. Uh, contributes frequently to Religion Unplugged and is a great uh, resource for film. Oh, uh, stop. Here, yeah. <laughs> um, we're here to talk about uh, all of the faith-based movies that have come out this year. Maybe not all of them. That would take quite a bit of time. Um, but a great deal of them because there have been a great deal. So, again, so many films, where to start, but kind of, I think, the highest grossing one, which is, of course, The Sound of Freedom. That's kind of broken out of what would be considered a reasonable frame for a Christian box office hit and has kind of become a an at-large box office hit. Um, and Joseph, you were the one that wrote about it for Religion Unplugged. So kind of give us an overview of Sound of Freedom, a little bit about what it's about and kind of its impact on movies this year. Yeah. So it's really interesting because this this year really has been sort of the year of the faith-based film in many ways because, and and Sound of Freedom is like an important part of that because we're used to having a world where like you maybe get one or two faith-based films a year from like one or two studios, you know, it was like, the, you know, starting in 2008, it was like the Kendrick brothers. And then you would have like the Kendrick brothers and maybe like a pure flicks film, like a God's not dead film. And then you had, you know, the Irwin brothers, you know, kind of come in and do some of theirs. And then I can only imagine. So it's like, then it's like, so there's one or two, but now you have a situation where um, people like, you know, the Irwin Brothers with their Kingdom Storybook Company are coming out with like two movies a year. So this year they have Jesus Revolution and uh, Ordinary Angel, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But then, of course, you have, and this leads to the Sound of Freedom, Angel Studios entering the picture. So you've got like, you know, the Kingdom Storybook Company, you've got Kendrick Brothers doing their next project. And then you got um, something like, you know, Angel Studios, which not only is released, you know, the chosen theatrically, you know, in their so accounts, like as a sort of faith-based film that way. Or like, you know, his only son. But they've, you know, it's like his only son, which was an Abraham story. And they released, that was their first like faith-based film that they released theatrically as a theatrical release. And then like just a few months later, they come out with Sound of Freedom. Like what you said, like breaks into the like the top charts, like beating out like I think it's like the Indiana Jones 5, you know, at the box office. Which is an insane thing to have an independent, you know, Mormon-owned you know, studio that started out as a way of, you know, filtering out the cuss words in um, in movies uh, that, you know, to making their own stuff, or at least in this case, distributing stuff. So Sound of Freedom is a an anti-human trafficking uh, sort of action film based on um, the accounts of uh, Tim Ballard, I believe is his, his last name, who um, uh, was is head of uh, Operation Underground Railroad, which is the anti trafficking organization it's about his story as he recounts it of um uh quitting the the, the cia in order to full-time fight against uh global human trafficking and it stars jim caviezel who it's really interesting because he was uh jesus in the uh, movie that many people say launched the faith-based films um uh uh passion of christ and so now he is again you know at the forefront of another movie that's that's really shaping uh the conversation around faith-based films and um that was a movie that um uh the director behind bella who's another sort of faith-based film um he's a hispanic filmmaker i forget which part of 
the uh, of of that world he's from. Uh, but he's um, but yeah, and he did this film, and then it was supposedly to be marketed other places like Disney or or places like that or Fox, and then it just it it ended up not going there, so it gets bought by some by Angel Studios. So this movie, you know, and it, it went insane. It's level of success. Again, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but like, you know, there were mainstream news outlets that were didn't review the film, but then had to cover the story because it was, you know, high up in the top 10 box office when they weren't expecting it to. And it it really um, spoke to this growing sort of political uh, sentiment about, you know, human trafficking. Human trafficking has always been sort of an issue kind of in... <laughs> Uh, that people have talked about, but the conservative Christians have sort of like made it their own in recent years or during the Trump years um, and made it a cause that they are very particularly passionate about and kind of making it in, it, making it um, part and parcel of sort of uh, their politics. And so this movie kind of gave a face for that. Um, and and it it was really heavily promoted in in religious circles, this movie as watching this movie is a way of fighting human trafficking. So like faith-based films have always sort of been part and parcel with watching this movie is about a cause, not just watching this movie. And part of that was due to the marketing because they had a, um, they actually had it so that you could buy tickets for other people. This is where it sort of gets a little dicey because many people are accusing the numbers of being inflated because what they're reporting is the number of tickets sold, but not everybody who bought tickets went to it. Some people were buying tickets for other people and some of those people didn't show up. That's and so it's kind of like, so there's this argument about like, on the one hand, people are like, so it doesn't say how many people actually watch the movie, but right. it's also like, but does it matter if people are buying the tickets from a box office perspective? That actually in some cases works better in the Christian faith-based space because oh, sure. in the faith-based space, there's like, there's such a gap between the people who have money in the Christian space and people who don't. And the people who like the the buying habits of faith based films tend to be Midwesterners who only go to see one movie a month. So if they can watch a movie that somebody else bought for them, so there's all sorts of stuff. So like on a cultural level, this this movie is like changing the faith based game so much. First of all, just being a new studio that's entering the mix as a player, it's you know heavily emphasis on like galvanizing the political space as in a way that God's Not Dead did, but from kind of a different angle. And it's a new way of doing marketing, of saying, hey, you can buy this for somebody else. And of course, like, you know, it, it, like everything else, because they're sort of pulling on the politics, not in a super toxic way, but just like, you know, using it as part of marketing strategy, it's become really divisive, where it's like, you know, like, you know, I review the movie, kind of as you said, and I said, hey, cause, great. Movie, screenplay, not so much. Yeah. And of course, you know, you look at the comments in there. I have never been told I was going to rot in hell so much in my entire life, which for me is entertaining. But like, it is just like, but on the other hand, you have people who are like, I hate this movie because I don't like the politics of one of its stars. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're kind of embarrassing yourself with that take. So yeah. that's, so yeah, that's been kind of this place where it's like, okay, Sound of Freedom is a place where we're entering like unexpected territory in the faith-based kind of space. Yeah, I do. You brought up the comments and I'm looking at your story now, which I've gotten similar comments on different stories. That <laughs> it's like, it is fun. It, 
it's funny a little bit. And I do want to read this one because I think it kind of speaks to the point and it is okay. hilarious. Um, so the comment reads, this is a movie to raise awareness against child trafficking, not a movie to entertain. Ellipses, knock, not ellipses, knock, ellipses. Hello, is your brain connected? And then three different smiley face emojis. So let's hope that your brain is connected. I think so it's really far. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting that it's like this idea, like this is a movie to raise awareness, mm-hmm. not a movie to entertain. When arguably the whole purpose of movies is to entertain. In well, one, I, I mean, not the whole purpose. No, no, no. But but, at least the primary purpose is to entertain. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not a State of the Union address or a yeah. C-SPAN debate or a research paper or some, I mean, you know, which are all things that are kind of just essentially for. Yeah. The, the question, I mean, like, and to raise awareness about things and a movie, it's kind of first and foremost is to entertain and then it can have any degree and any type of messaging connected along with it. But you, you know, you saying that connected to the politics, both through its message and through its marketing does kind of present that, that viewpoint, like you're not doing this to have a good time. You're yeah. doing this to raise money for a good cause. Like it's kind of considered kind of a like missionary work or like going to church or something that has a good Christian value as opposed to, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. I like consuming Christian content. I'm interested to see what this has to say. Like I'm going to go do this because I would enjoy it. It's interesting. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I think, I mean, you know, you make an excellent point. This is, I think that the, the best response to that is that if, if, if it's just to inform, you know, why is it not a documentary? Why is it not a C-SPAN thing? And the reason is that I think you believe, even if your primary goal is to inform that you believe that informing people is somehow more powerful as a piece of entertainment for, for lack of a better word. And so my, you know, when I argue that, well, it clearly wants to be a piece of entertainment and inform, and it's not doing so good on one of those aspects. Um, is but like you said, there is this aspect, and and that does raise another aspect of this, which is that the movie has been accused of misinforming people on the realities of human trafficking. And again, some of that I think is overstated because they're like, well, this movie, you know, portrays a form of human trafficking which is less common. Than the other form, and there are is like well, okay, but it's still not therefore lying, you know. Um, And but on the other hand, you know, there are allegations like from within the organization that like some of this is made up, and so it comes like okay, well, I don't know if those allegations are true, but if it is, then it raises questions about should you be donating money to these organizations that are doing that, and and so it it does raise those questions. Um, But yeah, but it is. Like you said, it is um, that's a very specific thing about faith based films. That's sort of always been a part of it that going to this is about doing good in some way. And so kind of Angel Studios, the, like the Mormon brothers who are running this kind of figured that out in a way that nobody else seems to have actually latched on to as well as them. So do, you, so do you think that this is going to be like a model going forward in faith based films? Well, I think the thing is that. So a couple things. I think that this has been the model 
for hmm. almost as long as faith-based films have existed. I, I mean, I not like Passion of the Christ. I don't think that yeah. was the intention to do a pot. Like that was just to make a good movie and right. to kind of portray a biblical epic. Just awesome. Um, but when you look at things like God's Not Dead, mm-hmm. kind of the, I mean, the classics yeah. like October Baby and Fireproof and sure. Courageous, like all of the classics that came out, you know. But I mean, um, specifically you know, the whole pay it forward model. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, and and I think that that is very possible as well. I mean, I think it kind of, again, it's similar to tithing in a way like (laughs) it's not like (laughs) not biblically or theologically (laughs) but it has the same idea behind it Mm -hmm. as in you give this money and it goes to someone else to do Mm -hmm. good yeah um which is kind of i think the at least the american christian right uh interpretation of what tithing is and what tithing is for yeah um and I mean, you you have kind of seen these there. There are these kind of things with uh, different faith based films in the past where they'll encourage like churches to purchase tickets to yes. all to the theater together. I kind of think that it's similar to that, but maybe just a, a like the next step, the next step yeah. word from that, because the idea that I mean, churches do social things all the time. Of course. It's not a <laughs> it's not like this is some kind of bizarre activity, no. but a church being encouraged to like buy tickets or to host a screening of a film. I know that the church that I grew up in, which had a congregation of like a thousand or more or seating for a thousand or more would host screenings of these movies that you would purchase a ticket to. And it would, you know, so kind of doing that and encouraging people to buy tickets for other people is kind of the next step. It's like, it's kind of even like evangelicalizing because they, Hey, do you want to go to this movie with me? Your ticket is paid for. You don't have yeah. to. Go. That is so like it's, it's centralizing and operation. turning into the actual business model of the actual company. Because right. you're right. The marketing teams around faith-based films have always sort of done this, where they've been like, hey, churches, like let's market this yeah. to churches and encourage them to okay. get group sales tickets and things and like then that. You even do, and then you can even do what I just said on a on a more individual level. Yes. because then you in the in the evangelical scenario that your pastor presents to you when they're selling you on going to see this movie with yeah. your church they say and go to your neighbor and yeah. tell them that our church is going to see this movie on this saturday and you know we can cover your ticket if you yeah. like i know for a fact that that has happened and that has oh, been yeah. to kind of bring people into church spaceship spaces and all of that so i think that that is kind of the next step and yeah. I think it's probably likely to continue whether or yeah. not it's as direct as Sound of Freedom has done, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really interesting kind of about this whole entertainment thing and kind of which leads us on to some discussions of other movies is that I think part of the reason that the Sound of Freedom has done so well is because it is a Christian action movie yeah. with you know, like with suspense and violence and threats and all of that. And I think there are definitely some political connections to be made there, but that would take way too long to get into. And I (laughs) on the the movie aspect of it. And I think that, you know, people saying, oh, this is to do good. And, you know, we as Christians don't need to be entertained. People kind of prove themselves wrong when they claim those kind of things, because it's like, 
there are so many Christians out there who won't watch other thriller movies or who won't watch other movies because they're too, too violent, too yeah. secular, too vulgar, too, you know, they have sexual content in them that, you know, doesn't need to be there or anything like that. And so I think that Christians have been seeking for a very long time uh, movies that are entertaining and that do and kind of movies that you can feel good as a Christian about going to see, but that give you the same entertainment value that say seeing like Liam Neeson and Taken would right. to your like your layman or just yeah. somebody who watches secular movies. And because Christians do want to be entertained and they don't just want to watch. I mean, that's why the passion of the Christ is so good. I mean, it's extremely gory, like extremely yeah. violent, extremely like, I mean, it sparks yeah. extremely sensitive reactions, but that if it wasn't that way, it wouldn't be so good. So, so I think that, you know, Christians are seeking good entertainment. And I think a lot of them don't know what that is yet or haven't been able to see that yet or have lower standards because there isn't a lot of that out there. But I think Sound of Freedom with a bigger budget that is a Christian thriller because you really don't see a lot of Christian thrillers. This is kind of something that we both have seen and talked about beyond like religious horror, which is also normally geared toward yeah. a secular audience Like you mostly see Christian dramas, Christian romances, like basically just that genre. So things beyond that Christian comedies, Christian thrillers, Christian action movies, they are very sparse. So I think, Christians are kind of craving more of that, that they can put their money behind. Yeah, I mean, that's and, and that get, brings us sort of to, to other aspects of this year, because this year we've sort of seen a flowering of varieties of Christian films, which we haven't really seen before, um, because you're correct. It's been, you know, the Kendrick brothers do Christian dramas and so do the Urim brothers. And, you know, uh, basically that's sort of been been the model. You're right. I mean, and part of this is sort of a demographic reality, because the primary audience for Christian films is Christian moms. And, you know, Christian moms tend to, you know, and you know, it's the audience that likes to watch Hallmark movies. And they don't tend to like to watch, you know, action movies, you know, movies with violence, movies with, you know, the, they tend not to watch horror movies. You know, again, it's like there's a sort of gender breakdown. Men tend to watch horror movies and women tend to watch true crime, which is, you know, and and when you get to, but the, but of the women who like do like to watch horror movies, they tend to be, you know, you know, not wives or mothers. They tend to be single women. And so that kind of demographic breakdown seeps into the faith-based space because like, oh, the tastes and preferences of this one demographic uh, tends to be what all movies are based around. But you're right. Again, that's like 60% of the audience. There's still this like 40% that's like, oh, I want this other stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have to, you know, th there's... um. What was it? And there was somebody, some historian, uh, my prof a professor of mine, uh, Dr. David Corbin at school, you, you to quote a lot, but he said that uh, maybe it was David McCullough or something who said that Americans want to feel good about doing well. Mm -hmm. And um, and the, sort of with American Christians, one of the things is like they want to do what they enjoy or watch what they enjoy, but feel good about it. And there is this aspect of like, you know, they want to watch an action movie, but they want it to be one that also grows their virtue. And like most of the faith-based films are kind of about growing virtue in some way. And that's not a bad thing, but it does mean that there's always this tension of, I want this to be, again, like 
you know, it's it goes back to it's one of those things. It's reason why so many Christian, um, so many um, blockbusters of the uh, early two thousands, like Braveheart and Gladiator, they were used in like Christian men's conferences to talk about how do you unify spirituality with sort of masculinity because there aren't a lot of movies that are like you know appealing to sort of like the Christian dad kind of archetypes. Like, oh, I want to like have whatever that masculinity kind of feels like and looks like, but also unify it with my religiosity. There's not a lot of movies that sort of do that. Um, and, but we are seeing now, again, a growing number of them experiment with it. And so like Sound of Freedom is kind of trying to do the Christian action movie, in a sense, the faith-based action movie. And you do it by saying, but it's a good cause. So you can feel good about it. You know, just like, you know, the, the you know, and, and then like you've seen horror films, like with Nefarious, it's like, okay, you know, it's yes, it's scaring you, but it's scaring you for a good reason, which is yes. it's it's resensitizing you to the reality of the demonic as the uh, um, uh, screenwriters, directors uh, uh, said it. I don't know if you want to go to that next since we have a, a natural segue to that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I love horror and I could talk about related to horror all day. So, oh, yeah. yeah, if you want to talk about talk about Nefarious and then I think we can talk about some of the other because there I mean. I mean, there's kind of constantly a stream of religious horror coming out. It's just on that spectrum where most of it is. Yeah. Secular, you know, secular audience, because that's kind of, it's kind of a universal thing. Yeah. So the periods in that way was very different. Yes. So that's the interesting thing. Because like most horror, again, it's like horror tends to be watched by young people, disproportionately young people and disproportionately male. Again, it's not universal like that but it tends to be that way and the faith-based film industry tends to be you know disproportionately older disproportionately female and so it's kind of like one of those never the twain shall meet kind of like demographic problems so yes that's right most horror films even when it's religious again like the conjuring franchise makes all the money and it's uh, particularly the ones with the um the leads uh oh gosh what are they called the warrens um are like super religious they're constantly talking about jesus and using invoking him and and in real religious fashion like invoking his name and his protection against the evil and it's and most like the devil made me do it one is like so like traditional christian kind of like values where it's like you know even down to you know the bad guy is a is a priest that stopped adhering to his religious faith it's like all these things like man this is like textbook like christian narrative stuff but Christian, most Christians aren't going to watch it because it's it's horror. So okay, come down to you know, the creators of God's Not Dead, um, uh, uh, Gary Coleman and Chuck Konzelman, uh, they uh, they actually made this horror film about this guy, uh, this this skeptic psychiatrist who has to talk to an inmate on death row to determine if he's um, he's insane and can there before be uh, uh, be executed. But he claims he has a demon. And so he has to, you know, and so it becomes this sort of screw tape letters-esque conversation between the two of them where the um uh where the uh man who claims he's demon possessed, you know, has to kind of cat and mouse with a psychiatrist, and therefore you get to explore these all these religious themes. I really like the film. I, I thought it was a like again, it wasn't perfect, you know, like they, there's some parts of the like, oh, the last act of the film becomes, and now we need to start preaching. And I was like, oh, you were doing so good up until that point. Like, yeah. it, it really has this vibe of like an old 1970s horror film, which it's mm-hmm. kind of like, 
the ethos was really trying to disturb the comfortable modern person who doesn't really believe that evil exists, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of like, you know, Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, Exorcist, or or Halloween even. It's like, okay, the the modern world is not set up to confront evil because we kind of just try to like, you know, make it all everything relative and stuff like that. And so like their thing of like, no, using it to try to disturb us into resensitizing us is actually for me very effective. It's when they start saying, okay, now we have to like sell a book and 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 like preach a message here that it, it starts to get weaker. Yeah. Um, but it, it, what's interesting about it, as you point out, because we have this demographic sort of breakdown, they really did primarily market it initially to non-faith-based audiences. But they did like, a, but they again because one of the producers was one of the, was um, uh, works at the Blaze with the Glenn Beck's outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, another group that's actually starting to get into the you know film faith based film space, which is really interesting. Um, uh, but because of that, it got passed around to some conservative like you know personalities, mm-hmm. and so, so like Megan Basham early on, who she works at the Daily Wire, she early on was kind of like. Hey, this is actually really good. People should go see it. So, like, there were certain people early on who kind of knew, and like, so in the conservative political world, who kind of knew this is actually something you should watch. But for the most part, it was it was marketed to a secular audience, which meant a couple things were kind of funny and fascinating. One is there's a thread on I think it's Reddit, which is a bunch of redditors saying, "Hey, don't go to see this." movie it looks like it's going to be a horror film but it's actually a christian propaganda film so you had a bunch of these horror fans who are coming in not expecting it to be as faith-based as it is and then on the other hand and then the um this this is that you can i did an interview with the creators of this movie that you can watch it's an earlier episode of the podcast and so a lot of what i'm talking about here i'm getting from them and the conversation we had so you should check it out but is that the second aspect of this, the the, the faith based audience came later. So the movie had two legs. It had its initial secular leg as as a low budget horror film and made a, a, a respectable amount of money for like a movie like that. And mm-hmm. then it, it's, it's run got extended when faith based audiences start seeing all of the news at, around it. Um, and and start saying, oh, well, this is actually maybe something that is good for me, because, again, the Christian thing is, you know, Watching evil desensitizes you to it, but this is actually repitching. It's like no, we're resensitizing you to the reality of of horror and stuff like that. And so, so they start being, oh, this is actually for us. So you actually had sort of two legs of the marketing campaign that happened. So that's something that I'm interested in. I don't like. I don't know. Is again, just like faith based films are sort of trying to redeem the action movie. Yeah. Um, and the the uh, and and it seems like that may actually occur because of the gigantic success of a of uh, uh what you call it of, of sound of freedom and then of course this year angel studios is also coming out with like a dystopian sci-fi action movie the shift mm-hmm. um and so like that may actually happen you may get the redemption of the action movie in faith-based space but faith-based horror again it's had this so long and and because again angel studios has figured out their model for doing this yeah. but this like what do you see? Do you see a similar kind of cultural shift that might happen around horror films with this movie and a similar thing with marketing? Or do you see like it just seems too well ingrained and the success was not quite as big with this? And so it's less likely to have that lasting impact. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting to think about. And you mentioned these kind of classic horror movies, and that's that's something I'm really interested in because there's a there's a sequel actually to The Exorcist <laughs> coming out on October sixth, um, which I'm really excited about. And I'm I'm curious to see what that's like and what they do with it because, I mean, The Exorcist is one like The Exorcist in my mind. I don't know how how uh true culturally this is but the exorcist in my mind is up there in terms of faith-based films with like the passion of the christ like catholics everywhere love that movie like they love the exorcist because it honestly is a very classic christian film i mean and it's i mean it's really well made and it's obviously has an audience far beyond christians but ultimately that movie is about the battle between good and evil and good wins like god wins at the end of that movie um which is everything that every christian movie can hope to do and it's just a really awesome and it's just a really awesome movie to boot um and so i'm curious to see because i mean and you do see the same thing essentially with the conjuring movies but not in such a the ex the way that the exorcist does it is just very cut and dry like very you know, no extra pandering, no extra anything like that. And I think that's kind of where its magic comes from. And so, I mean, you do see that in a lot of paranormal, supernatural, religious horror is, you know, the priest does the exorcist, even though people die along the way and all of that. Um, and good ultimately wins. And so, but that doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, there's something yeah, no, it's, the original exorcist that makes it special. Um, but yeah, so I'm, so I'm curious to see if this sequel, for example, is as much, you know, in tune with faith and kind of specifically with Catholicism as the original Exorcist was, um, or if it's more something along the lines of the nun or the conjuring or, you know, the Pope's Exorcist, which also came out this year, you know, if it's one of those types. Um, and, and I just don't know. I mean, I personally am of the mind that a movie doesn't have to be specifically faith-based or marketed to a faith-based community for it to have value to me as a person of faith awesome. or to be a person of faith. And I know that you feel the same way, but a lot of the people that we write to don't feel the same way, um, which is kind of just a difference of opinion that I hope that people would re reconsider and that I kind of hope that the movies I write about would get people to reconsider. Um, but, I, but I don't know how likely it is that that change will happen. Um, so it's, it's interesting. The, so one of the interesting things about it, it is fascinating. Like you said, again, is the, the exorcist model, like tr the exorcist genre seems like, again, it should be, um, you know, tailor-made for a faith-based audience mm -hmm. um and, and the thing is I, I i know some i know people who are like deeply committed christians and deeply believe in you know um the demonic as an ordinary part of life and the and that in a sense is one of the difficulties with that genre because like just like you know doctors are not the biggest fan of doctor shows and lawyers are not the biggest fan of lawyer shows. People who are like really into something in real life are the most likely to have a problem sort of when it way it's portrayed on screen. You know, yeah. so for example, one of the things that's often brought up is in the original Exorcist, as good as it is, as you're you're and you're absolutely right. Um, 
it does end with the human being saying, Satan, take me. You know, in a sense, God fails, but human self-sacrifice allowing uh, the demon possessive is what wins in the end. And that for people who are in as in Protestant Pentecostal circles, it's sort of known as deliverance ministry and Catholic circles. It's known as sort of, um, you know, exorcism. It's, it, uh, it's that's kind of like one of those big no, no. So that's that's something you do not tell people, you know, about about what's uh, uh, about the way it is. Also, again, like I'm, I'm hopeful about this believer also. But again, one of the things they talk about in the trailers is they basically say, you know, all religions have a way of doing exorcism and we're going to use them all in this mm. thing. And so it's like that's immediately going to cut out basically all, you know, a a anybody in the Christian, the Catholic world is not going to like it or yeah. the Protestant sort of, you know, um, deliverance ministries would be like, no, this is teaching, you know, false religion. And so. It, it does get us wrong. I, I wrote this, you know, article about like, like why why are there no great Christian films? Where are the great Christian films? And and there's different parts. And one of the things is that Hollywood is just so disconnected from the majority of people who actually have faith that they just don't know that they're randomly doing something that's going to get in the way of people actually responding to it or resonating with it. Um, and and so it's going to be one of like it, will nefarious be something that's like oh faith based people can actually learn how to do this kind of material. Um, in a way that audi their audiences respond to, I don't know. Again, it's it's kind of a because uh, I think I think Hollywood is probably not going to be able to do it um, just because yeah. they're that disconnected sociologically and demographically from the majority of the faithful. It would um, it would only take it, I think it would take a very specific yeah. filmmaker with a very specific vision to pull that off. And I don't and I'm sure that there is a filmmaker out there who has the chops to do that, but. And I and I also think that Hollywood, for all of its flaws, and studio execs for all their flaws, I think that a project like that can be greenlit. Oh, you know, um, it's just a matter of does it happen? Yeah, and, and to, to your point, the oh, I was going to say to your point about the Exorcist. Um, one of the things that made Exorcist so magical was how they spent so much time grounding it in reality. I mean, again, it's like two thirds of it. Are, and again, it's it's part of that same magic of like at the time Jaws and Star Wars even are we're all about we live in a disenchanted world, and I mean even the priests are like ah this isn't real you know yeah. and then it's like it, it slowly comes about and I think for all its flaws and it does happen Nefarious does actually a better job of capturing that than like mm -hmm. the Pope's Exorcist did this year or like even the Conjuring movies do because they they don't. It's you, it's kind of like a Marvel movie. You're bought into the idea of the demons yes. existing, whereas Nefarious and the Exorcist Court kind of ride that line of like most of us don't live in a world where it's actually real and kind of helping us enter that space. Absolutely, yeah. That's that is the the last point I was going to make about religious horror is that I think the one of the key differences is that religious horror geared toward a secular audience or a horror fan audience is going to be geared toward is going to include things like jump scares and, you know, viscera and ghost sightings and demon sightings and creaks in the night and dark rooms and thumping doors and mysterious noises. Like all of the things that, you know, kind of the classics of the horror genre, like if yeah. you make a list of like stereotypical things that make a movie scary, that is what a movie that's geared toward yeah. a secular horror audience is going to have. Whereas I feel like, you know, things like, like you said, The Exorcist, there are certainly those moments, you know, 
the like the medical horror, the spinning around of the head, the vomiting, yeah. gross stuff and scary stuff. But that is very much a supplement to yeah. the storyline as yeah. opposed to, and I think honestly, one of the problems with modern horror in general is that it gets cheap because it relies on jump scares and, you know, and the scary technical stuff. Yeah, but um, the best, actually still like the best modern horrors, like all the ones that get are, are getting acclaimed, like, you know, Hereditary or Midsummer, or even like this year's like, um, uh, 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 talk to me or what was it, was it yeah. the, is are all about the horror is a metaphor for like a real human problem and yeah. so that's yeah. so i mean that's what yeah. horror is all about yeah. is you know or what it should be about anyway yeah. so yeah so i think i mean so i think that kind of all of those things are tied in together and it's a difficult genre because i think it's difficult even outside of the christian yeah. sphere and then you know with Christians who, as we've talked about, don't, you know, want to feel good about what they're doing and want to yeah. increase their virtue. It doesn't, I mean, a horror movie, a lot of times does not make you feel as though you've increased your virtue. Yeah. Yeah. And even with the ones that are connected to metaphor for a human issue that I think a lot of times with me have yeah. made me think about my place in the world and who I'm supposed to be and my relationship, like those things do the like those movies do that for me, but yeah. a lot of Christians don't even want to do that. And so, well, that's, that's, that's just meant to scare is like so far from anything that a Christian wants. So it's just, it's, I think very difficult yeah. to break into. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, one of the things, one of the things that people who do like horror films, the two things they tend to say they like about it, not the only things, but like, you know, they tend to say that they like, first of all, it makes them feel tougher because it's like, oh, I've got, you know, I've been scared by something and I can handle something scary and then mm -hmm. I'm tougher. Or it makes me feel closer to other people that I'm sharing experience with so we're bonding, something like that. The mm -hmm. first of those in many Christian circles is sort of antithetical to the way they, they feel because it's like, I shouldn't be growing tougher. I should be growing more dependent on Jesus. Right. You know, there's a big that this yeah, growing tougher is very, is a little too close to the Christian warning against like hardening your heart hardening your heart or you know, or, or right. self-sufficiency or things yes. like that and mm -hmm. so like so it again there's there are virtues connected with it but they're ones that sort of are unpopular in christian circles anyway so yeah so it's very interesting and i would like to see it i mean i love horror movies and so yeah. i would love to see ones that like explore faith yeah. better or and i mean with horror there are just so many metaphors for oh, yeah i mean what <laughs> Just yeah. So no, yeah. what do you think? I mean, again, do you think it will happen? Do you think this year is gonna be the start of that? Or at least like, oh, somebody saw the what Nefarious did, and it's like, okay, that will open up the doors for some other Christian filmmaker to say, Oh yeah, I'd like to um I'd like to pitch this. You can give me money for it. Do you think that that's something that will happen, or do you think that this is kind of a a, a drop in the bucket? It's it's gonna, you know. I think, I mean, I think, frankly, I think Nefarious, I think probably didn't have a big enough impact to be that catalyst. It could have, because again, I mean, kind of like I said, I still, I really believe that all it takes is like the right filmmaker to get in touch with the right people to get yeah. the project greenlit to, for it to happen. I don't believe that religious horror is like a, some kind of white whale that doesn't exist. Or no, yeah. It's just, it's just a matter of like, who's going to do it right. And where's yeah. the project going to come from? And I don't, I, d I really don't think that something like Nefarious is going to be the catalyst for yeah. that. I think Nefarious could be the catalyst for a handful of other low-budget religious sure. horror movies that come out over the next 
two to five years, three to five sure. years. Yeah. Um, no, I think it will yeah. make space for somebody else to maybe create a catalyst. Yes. But yeah, yes. this one probably will be. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. So. Cool. Yeah. All right. What's the next movie on our docket? You know, so this is a little bit. Uh, this is a little bit of an underground one. Um, this is a movie that I wrote about this year that it talking about horror made me think about it because it's not horror, but it was a little bit, it had, it, it's a little bit Southern Gothic horror, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, a movie called The Starling Girl. Ah, yes. Um, yeah, which I love. I mean, one of the best movies I've seen this year. I cried just insanely hard watching it. Um, I think it's so yeah. interesting. And so this um, was a movie was a movie that wasn't sort of it's in traditionally part of the, like the faith based industry no. space, but it was heavily yeah. you know religious. Yeah. yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, so and so that's kind of a so getting away from yeah specifically faith based films as well, and it's a little bit of a detour. But I just have to, and I just had to bring it up because I love it, and I think yeah, talk about it, yeah, by more people. Um, so yeah, so it's a. It's a coming of age story. It's set in rural Kentucky in a fundamentalist small mm-hmm. Christian church. Um, the protagonist is a 17-year-old girl named Jem Starling. She's like a dancer. She is kind of the leader of her church's dance troupe. Um, and the whole movie is set up around um the pastor's son, who's in his mid to late 20s, married comes back from a mission trip and kind of reintegrates himself into the church world and starts a relationship with again, 17 year old Jem Starling. Um, And so it is, I mean, so it's kind of a, in many ways, it's like a very classic, uh, not maybe not even classic on stage or on screen, but a very classic in terms of narrative and Mm -hmm. the, stories that so many young girls and young women have of grooming of Mm -hmm. kind of having a crush on someone and then but being way out of your depth and having that person take advantage of you and being trapped and wanting freedom and kind of you know in terms of like an abusive relationship and in terms of just being a teenage girl and figuring your life out and all that but it's set in this very specific church that contributes so much to the abuse the control the fear of the whole situation because you kind of have these two sides of you know her part of it is like she kind of has a crush on this older guy at first but of course he's the one that's in the wrong for like making something of it and doing you know cheating on his wife and sleeping with a teenager and all of, and just do the way that he treats her and all of that and so from just a, like, as a woman, you're like, get out of that relationship, please. <laughs> but then you have the church community that she's a part of. That's like the kind of one of the, the, the starting shots of the movie is that she's like doing a dance with her, you know, church for a church potluck after. And the pastor's wife comes up to her and it's like, Jim, we can see the lining of your bra through your shirt and that is immodest and you need to change. And like, so you have this church that's like so inundating her with purity culture, with thinking she's the problem. And later, spoilers, when it does get found out, she's the one that's in trouble, not the son. 
So kind of both sides are wrong and you just feel like so deeply for this girl who's in the situation. And it's so it kind of is a horror movie in the way that you're just like on the edge of your seat, like she's trapped and you're like, get out. Like she might as well yeah. be in a haunted house. Um, and it's just a like it's just a really good movie. And I think it's kind of um something that, you know, in talking about the popularity of yeah religion in movies i think this is a really interesting one again unfortunately i don't think that it got i don't think it got the views to be any kind of catalyst but i think it is a it's a really special movie because i think um and it, i mean and it talks about religion and mm-hmm. you know kind of deconstructing your faith but still holding on to it and all of that and so i think it's a really interesting catalyst in, not a catalyst but yeah. i think it's a really interesting touch point in terms of um, people making movies about religion because again, this I mean, this was not a religious audience. The not for a religious audience. No. The director herself uh, wasn't even religious. She just was traveling and ran into a group of women on a church trip and talked to them for a while and was like, "This is so fascinating. I need to make a movie about this." But it's just so. I mean, it's so raw and so real. And I think it. I mean, I think it kind of speaks to uh, at least in one sense the ways in which filmmakers whether secular or religious are more comfortable talking about religion now than mm-hmm. now than ever so i'm curious if you kind of have any any examples of that or if you've you know yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's really interesting because you make a really excellent point so like you have the one side that we've been talking about a while we'll probably we'll go back to that but that there's the people in the faith-based industry who are making movies for christian audiences christians making movies for christian audiences um and then you have regular secular filmmakers who, like you said, are more and more explicitly dealing with religion. You know, like you talked about the Starling Girl. I mean, obviously this year was also, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. You also have, um, which I mean, like, I, I I think I probably liked it better than you did. Like for me, it was like my best movie I saw this year. I, I absolutely, I didn't think it was going to happen because it was like, you know, coming of age story of a 12 year old girl, but it's like, you know, talking about, you know, um adolescent you know kind of drama but with a connection to god and transcendent and doing that in such a kind of like vulnerable and non-judgmental way i really loved but again it's still a secular marketed movie um and then we we talked about before the show you know barbie is a movie that's all about you know um that's all about you know kind of doing a subversive version of the creation narrative where you know Greta Gerwig is very explicit about this about how she's saying like look you know the creation narrative like Adam is created first and Eve is created to be his helper however egalitarian or or patriarchal you want to look at that sort of like but you know she inverts it's like you know Barbie is created first she's the model and then Ken is created to be her helper and there's you know sin that enters paradise and how she interprets that I think to a certain degree the reason for this is i think people are getting more comfortable with it certainly i've seen it a lot more and a lot more people willing to talk about it in a nuanced way particularly and i think part of it goes back to a a gk chesterton quote which i'm going to paraphrase because it's an extended one uh and also i haven't read it in a long time but he says that basically the the best person to talk about religion is somebody who's in it or really far away from it yeah because you know the person who's like just burned by it was like they're rebelling against their religious parents is like yeah. the worst person to talk about religion because they're not really talking about religion they're talking about their parents you know right. but a person he's like a person who's like you know actually like a 
a Christian and is talking about their faith or somebody who's kind of looking at it from a distance, like this is interesting, let me explore it, are better ways to talk about it. And I think we're sort of reaching a point in our society where we're having enough distance from religion in some ways that people can actually talk about it. Like again, like the you know, director of The Starling Girl, who can say like, oh, this is interesting. I want to explore it as an aspect of our shared humanity, you yeah. know, and not do it with exactly an ax to grind. Now, obviously she comes from her point of view, she comes from her perspective, but she's not coming at it from an angle of, you know, F you dad, you know, right. which is where a lot of the kind of like the early 2000s, the kind of 90s, like portrayals of religion in popular media were yeah. that kind of helped um, launch the faith-based film and reaction to it kind of were doing. Um, it is, I think you also mentioned the aspect of, you know, um, of, of box office and stuff like that. I definitely think we're going to see a lot more, um, you know, Barbie's way of kind of talking about religion as a metaphor that I think we are going to get Starling Girl. Uh, the part of the reality is that neither Christian nor secular audiences have appetites for movies about, uh, uh like, uh, abuse against women in those like intimate ways. I mean, Barbie is like the closest you can get, like it's anti-patriarchy, but it is, doesn't specifically talk about abuse in, in a specific way. But it's like, you know, a promising young woman did not do super well financially. It did well in terms of the, you know, the, the Oscars, but it didn't, you know, but it's like, and you know, I could go, and like, what was it? She said last year, it's like people, the people who most relate to that story, it mostly don't want to see it portrayed on screen. Yeah. And so I think you're right. It's not going to be a model going forward in terms of like, but it is still, those are still conversations worth having. And I think that interestingly enough, Barbie is probably going to be the model that people go to talk about those things going forward because it's like, okay, we're doing it as a popular movie that's still kind of, you know, kind of an adventure story of a way, a quest story. And these are smaller elements of it. Um, yeah. uh, but again, that's always been the trick with indie films that are kind of like they're always going to get a smaller audience, but they are still worthwhile telling worthwhile stories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And with, I mean, with anything, whether it's a Christian, a faith-based movie or a like more secular movie, when it's a little bit off the beaten path, it's just simply not going to get as many. Right. I mean, you had like Barbie, I thought was a, pretty relatively tame movie in terms of what people everywhere say about feminism on sure. both sides of the issue. But you, again, had people on both sides of the issue being like, this was disgusting. This was terrible. Like, this, I can't believe. And I was like, sure. I thought that was just, you know, <laughs> sure. But so, I mean, you know, you kind of get that. Type sure. Of yeah. Thing. It was polarizing enough just being sort of a sure. mainstream, a mainstream yeah. film. Right. And I think the other thing, you know, I, I like the Chesterton quote that you brought up, you know, about talking about religion being inside of it or far outside of it. And I think uh, not to edit the words of a of a master, but I think there's a third component to this in the modern world, which is that we are getting these kind of highly specialized stories that aren't necess necessarily saying like, burn the institution down i hate my sure. parents i hate the church but are telling a kind of just personal sure. story you know i think the starling girl is one example of that another movie that i saw this year at the tribeca film festival is the miracle club which is oh, yeah. a very you know i mean universal but highly personalized personalized story about 
four women in small town Ireland who make the trip to Lourdes to um, visit the, uh, like, make a pilgrimage to the waters of Lourdes. Um, And kind of at its heart, the director kind of says is, I mean, it's about these women, but it's about his mother and the people in his village that he grew up with who went to Lourdes hoping for a miracle and all of that, you know. Yeah, uh, just that kind of very highly, you know, it that movie is a great example of Irish Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very, very personalized story. And I think that that's kind of a great thing. I mean, the Starling is a great example of Christian fundamentalism in the South, like, you know, for a 17 year old girl and her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that part of and this is part of why indie filmmaking is awesome and why. Yeah. The fact that there are more movies being paid now than ever is, it, I think that's all part of it, um, that you do get to have these individualized stories that yeah. may not necessarily be the blockbusters. of. But it have to be because they cost less to make. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, The Miracle Club filmed in 21 days. Like that's, yeah. you know, um, but I think, you know, I think that's part of it is you get these individualized stories that talk about faith from different perspectives, um, sometimes in a way that criticizes it, sometimes in a way that lifts it up, sometimes in a way that just kind of presents it how it is. Um, and I think that that's a really cool and interesting thing that is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, yeah. you know, faith based films are kind of everywhere. I mean, even the uh, the Adam Sandler Netflix movie, yeah. You're So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah, like that, like that's been a huge hit. But yeah, Adam well, Sandler's movie on Netflix, you know? It's kind of funny. I mean, Adam Sandler is this weird cat because he's this extremely mainstream, even to the chagrin of many people who love movies, because he, he you know, oftentimes it feels like he cares to the lowest common denominator. But he is also one of like the few like comedians in Hollywood who's Jewish and like takes time to celebrate his Jewish faith and like present it to the world in the yeah. way that like Christians are trying to do with theirs. Yeah. Um, so I'm again, like from the Kwanzaa song, not Kwanzaa, excuse me. Wow. I'm a horrible person. The Hanukkah song, <laughs> the Hanukkah song uh, to, you know, to eight crazy nights, you know, being like, I mean, the jo- have been jokes being made of like, we have hundreds of Christmas movies. We don't have any Hanukkah movies except for Adam Sandler's eight crazy yeah. nights, which mm-hmm. also, has animals defecating like in it. It's right. like, you know, and so, you know, I, I'm, you're so not invited to my bat mitzvah is an example of that. It does a really great job of like doing Jewish faith representation and not just Jewish culture representation, but them actually wrestling with God and like a personal relationship with God and a corporate relationship with God in an explicit way that I get. I talked to like, like, you know, some of my Jewish friends about, it. I was like, okay, like how accurate is this? And they're like, yeah, this is accurate. Again, like, you know, you know, again, sometimes in an uncomfortable way, it's it's um, but also it's got some of the lowest common denominator of humor like in it. And like and and, you know, again, with Adam Sandler movies, you know, extremely unlikable protagonists, just like just cringe inducing, like, oh, I, why am I sitting here with this person? Yeah. Um, and but again, like you said. What the one of the biggest stories this year of faith based film, so people won't take away anything, is the explosion of variety. Yeah, and like the fact that you have surprisingly one of the few like explicit like Jewish faith based films of this year coming out that's like in the top ten on Netflix. You yeah. know, is a part of that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and I mean, yeah, I think the explosion of variety, I think, and maybe it's just because we're in this year right now, but to me, that variety feels wider, both yeah. in terms of content, production value, reach, like surprising hit, like it all, it feels more intense than it has. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like last year. And of course, I think a lot of that rebound from COVID and all that, but sure. I think I think rebound from COVID as well is helping to cause this explosion of variety. And I think it's really awesome and really uh, encouraging and exciting that a lot of these projects are these faith, not necessarily faith-based in terms of, in terms of the genre, um, but movies that grapple with faith in a variety of different ways. I think it's kind of speaking to um, younger generations willingness to engage with faith. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that is non-traditional, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in going back to that mean comment said against you, how some Christians who have been engaging with faith-based films forever, uh, aren't looking to be entertained. They just want to have a Christian cause. I think maybe the opposite is true of a lot of, you know, Gen Zers. Yeah. Um, and in some, you know, just kind of the younger. Demo- sure. Yeah. Is that people are they're away from the church, you know, not wanting to be in that structured religion, but are definitely, but are not so much in the in the time for in the in the frame of mind that kind of like you mentioned early two thousands and nineties, like f you dad, I hate God, I want to go, you know, it's you know, there's a there's a rise in just spirituality and different practices of religion and different things like that, and so I think these movies kind of speak to younger generation's willingness to engage with that in a messy way. Well, that's the them and for the movies and for churches. That's well, that's the, the interesting thing. People talk about the rise of nuns and the, by nuns is N O N E, uh, which, and, and people look at, Oh, it's a rise in atheism and secularism. It's like, well, not technically, technically most of the people who describe themselves as nuns, um, what that, what that means is they still believe in God. Most of them still believe in God. And, what they don't do is identify with any religious group. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, a really fascinating change. What is it going to look like for, and now most of that is coming from mainline denominations. Um, yeah. Evangelicals have held steady over the past um, several decades and since even like grew slightly. Um, uh, but uh, the, but, but for mainline denominations and Catholics, you know, that they're pulling from that. And it's not relying, uh, identifying with any religious group. And that's going to be interesting going forward because, yeah, you're going to have more main, it looks like probably what's going to happen there is you just have a lot more mainstream films because they're, these nuns are going to be coming in. People who are, who are going to be like, I want to explore religious faith outside of any sort of structure. So it's going to be like, you know, again, like we talked, like last year, there's like, you know, Black Panther 2 was like an extremely religious film. Yes. You know, that basically said like need- Avatar, Avatar, yeah. the- oh, yeah. Avatar, extremely yeah. religious. Like Avatar is like, you know, it's it's earth worship, but it's relig- deeply religious. And then you have um, Wakanda Forever, which explicitly yeah. says that you need religion in order to grieve properly. Like there's mm-hmm. no other way to interpret that movie, but yeah. it's but there's it's outside of the traditional religious structures. So you're have a lot more secular movies. I mean, this year, I mean, James Gunn just like did it in Guardians 3 said, you know, the way that you heal yourself for feeling like you're a mistake 
is to believe that even the people who made you, your parents, they were being guided by, you know, hands guiding them. It's like, again, so we're probably going to have more religious stuff in secular films, but it's not going to be with any religious structure. On the other hand, what I think is interesting is that I think that, you know, faith-based industry films or Christian industry films, as I call them in my uh, Unexpected Journal article, are... I think you're getting more of them and they're getting better at making them. They kind of like, you know, the quality of them has gotten to like, instead of like, there's a couple of like solid ones, but then everything else is just kind of like low, like direct to video. Most of them are now getting to be kind of like, um, like basic TV movie quality, you know? And so you kind of leveled the playing field with Netflix originals, prime originals, that kind of thing. a die there a dime a dozen and so but they gonna, yeah. yeah but what's going to happen the thing is that audience is still kind of aging out so like mm-hmm. you know one of the things is that um i can only imagine made like 84 million dollars and uh jesus revolution made like 54 million dollars mm-hmm. and it's partly because again the audience that goes to this is aging out one of the biggest things that one of the biggest um indicators of this is that um i mean it's so funny because is that Ordinary Angels and Exorcist Believer were supposed to come out the same day, October 13th. Mm -hmm. Both of them exited that day because the Taylor Swift Eras Tour movie were coming out. And so what you're seeing again is the married mom Christian audience is nowhere able to compete with the young single female audience. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's so they're getting better at making them. And so they're making more money. More people are making more money. But it's a demographic that's essentially dying. off and they're not replacing it with younger people in the same way so in a sense i'm wondering like i think the future of faith-based industry films in a sense is bright but it's going to be a because they're doing better at capturing their market but it's a market that's shrinking right yeah so i have a couple like a couple kind of questions to kind of tie all of this together and a couple more things to talk about so we're going to talk about jesus revolution yeah, we can talk about Jesus Revolution. We should I probably think, do that before, do that at least. Sure. That, yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, so, so I mean, so this kind of, Jesus Revolution is kind of along the lines of what I want to talk about. Sure, and yeah. So, so something that I have noticed in the faith-based films this past year is that uh, you also have a crossover of actors. Yes. Uh, whereas there used to be actors that were just for faith-based films like and that to be frank was one of the reasons why so many of them were so bad it's just because the actors were not kevin sorbo kirk cameron you know or the you know yeah david era white all that kind of stuff yeah and some of the you know and you have and honestly the the one example in my mind of like an exception to that rule is like nick cage in the 2014 (laughs) left behind like Just because doing everything. Yeah. Right. And it's like when stuff like that happens, you're like, whoa, like Nick Cage. And yeah. that, which, to be fair, that movie is not overwhelmingly, it does not have an overwhelming amount of religious content, yeah. but it's still quite, you know, I mean, based. Weird. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think something that's happening more is, you know, so like On a Wing and a Prayer has Dennis yeah. Quaid, which Dennis Quaid is not the best example because he's not a stranger to yeah. faith films he's kind um, of becoming the dad of faith-based yeah. film movies right. like i can only imagine that i don't right. prayer and he's kind of building that thing but he's an actor known yeah. beyond those faith you know um and even like the movie that you wrote about last month dreaming wild with casey affleck and yeah. you know you've got 
And I mean, even things going back to last last year, maybe the year before, like Jessica Chastain winning yeah. an Oscar for playing Tammy Faye Baker, and just there, yeah, AJ Kappa, and I still believe, you know, yes, like you, there's very much a crossover of you know well-known actors yeah. to just hollywood that are participating you know that are taking yeah. roles in faith-based films and so i'm curious kind of what you think about that and then i think the segue to jesus revolution is the fact that jonathan rumi who plays jesus in the chosen is you know beyond like probably i think the one christian actor celebrity since kurt cameron like mm-hmm. which yeah. was a long time ago yeah so I'm curious kind of what you make of this kind of blending, yeah. if if we can call it that, of Hollywood actors playing roles in yeah. more faith-based films, um, kind of the rise of this and kind of the rise of a maybe a new Christian celebrity and what that means for the stuff that you mentioned about making movies for a dwindling, yeah. you know, audience if we have this like new Christian celebrity. Yeah. Oh, so that's an excellent, excellent uh, question and sort of like, you know, uh, uh, trend, like, you know, trend question. I think that the simple answer is that um, actors, you know, want to be um, in material that they want to be in, you know, that pays them well and that, you know, is not going to ostracize them in the communities they want to be a part of. And in faith-based films for a while, you know, made all three of those things difficult. You know, again, they were bad screenplays. You know, they were, um, you know, intentionally divisive in the case of like something like God's Not Dead. Um, and and the and the the rhetoric around it was largely like, hey, like we're we're gonna stick it to Hollywood and things like that. Anyway, and then the um, there was like, yeah, it's like it's it's something that like they'd be embarrassed to tell their friends they're doing. And once you know. Like the and I kind of give uh, I credit Irwin Brothers for this, like with their their stuff, like with you know Bob's Night Out. I can only imagine, you know, I still believe it's like because they're the ones who were, they created scripts which were again they aren't masterpieces, but they're basically decent like dramas. And and it's like you know Dennis and and a they're decent script dramas. Just like you know, it's not light years worse than what Dennis Quaid did in The Rookie, you know, which is like a straight up drama. It's like when he played like an abusive dad and I can only imagine like, it's like, it was a de- that was a decent script, you know? And also again, it's not a story that's offensive to anybody. It's like, yeah, it's about, you know, so it has religion in it, but it's still just about, you know, father and son learning to forgive yeah. each other. And so he wouldn't feel bad about being in it and he wouldn't be embarrassed to like tell his friends about it. And again, it's also like it paid, they made enough money at that point. They could pay them decently well. So Dennis Quaid is like, yeah, it pays well. It's a good script. And I can still be my, with my friends in Hollywood and they're not going to be like, you know, what are you doing being in that? You know, so and so that's the kind of place like your Irwin Brothers have kind of taken the faith based industry to a place where that's more common, you yeah. know, for that to, all that to happen. So, like, you know, Kelsey Grammer, he's already also kind of like a little bit more conservative and a little bit everyone knows he's kind of religious anyway. And so he's like, sure, Kelsey Grammer, why not? Why wouldn't he be in a Jesus Revolution movie? That's an interesting, you know, historical a drama that also, you know, is just telling people they should be more loving and accepting. I mean, you know, like the messages, so like the messages are like less divisive in in many of them now yeah. than they used to be. So, you know, because then what's interesting, you're right. There's also, so they, we're bringing more celebrities in, but also 
you're bringing more like Christian born celebrity. So like, you know, you have Dallas Jenkins, which yeah. um, just who, who is, you know, created the chosen. And of course, turned Jonathan Brumi into this overnight sensation because he, you know, people loved him as Jesus. And of course he made the great business decision, by the way, it's sort of a joke. I'm not saying he's insincere, but to become a Christian, like, you know, because like, there's like, Oh, this is somebody who actually does share my faith. And is so, like, he's able to like be a representative as he is a true believer Christian, which then makes people say, okay, yeah, then he's able to cross over into a kind of mainstreamish film, which is Jesus Revolution. So yeah, you're seeing a lot more of that crossover because Christians are just making more projects that more sides just are want to be and comfortable being a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Jesus Revolution, again, it's an interesting beast because again, it's it's a faith-based film, but it's also just kind of an ordinary historical drama yeah. that, you know, and and it's a nostalgia play, you know, yeah. Yeah. about that time period. Again, that was probably like, again, like, you know, I, I, I get I, I, what I got in trouble with when talking about that movie was I was kind of like, it does kind of look back at that time and the Jesus movement revival with rose colored glasses a little bit, you know, kind of like minimizing some of the awfulness of some of the people involved and, you know, both Chuck Smith and, you know, Lonnie Frisbee. Um, and then also, um, kind of saying that it brought a whole bunch of new people to Christ, even though the like the rates of church attendance really didn't change all that much. But again, um, that's part of this whole kick about like making nostalgia movies, which is like a very mainstream kind of thing that's going on. I think as the the faith based audience ages out, we're going to see more nostalgia kind of movies. In fact, uh, what's his face? Um, Kevin Downs, who's been like part of faith based films for like as almost as soon as they existed. He told me in an interview, which will be up soon, I ish, uh, that um, that basically the, what the audience has decided is what they want is like true stories, like this true stories are what they're looking for. That's what or, or, at what all of them are. And so we're just getting a lot of getting a lot of true stories based on kind of historical things that, you know, 60 plus people remember. Um, yeah. And probably nostalgic. So I think that like Jesus Revolution is going to be a big part of that. Now, again, I have to remind people, Jesus Revolution came in third at the box office behind, you know, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and Cocaine Bear. Um, So, you know, it's like the the 18 to 34 male demographics still, you know, killed the, you know, Jesus Revolution movie. Not, you know, but it's, um, but I think for that market, that's what gets them enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, across the board, biopics are a huge thing. I mean, and this isn't a biopic specifically, but it is that, you know, based on a true story. I mean, sure, if yeah. you about uh, Will Smith winning sure, Best yeah. for King Richard and again, Jessica Chastain, Tammy Faye, then it, I mean, it's just popular. And even I mean, even beyond that and not faith based, like Gary Oldman for playing Winston Churchill. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's both, I think, critically and in box office numbers. Oppenheimer this year. Yes. Oh, yeah. Probably going to make a billion dollars. Now, of course, that's also Chris Nolan and the whole Barbenheimer thing. But yes, but still, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, there's no there's no denying that biopics and otherwise based on true story is just kind of what's in right now. Yeah, it's I think it's getting to the place as well where it's like, well, we've done the main ones like we've done Winston Churchill we did Dick Cheney we've done you know like we've done Freddie Murphy who else we got done Elton John yeah like where who like who's next um and so you're getting into these kind of niche 
like these niche rabbit holes, which I think the Jesus revolution is kind of one of because it's yeah. kind of a subculture of the 60s and 70s, um, which is cool. And I, I personally, I don't know how I've decided how I, I don't know if I've decided how I feel about based on a true story movies. Sometimes they, sometimes I like them. They're not always my thing. So I wrote a controversial piece for Religious Unplugged on this topic yeah. and, you know, we won't go as super into it, but like one of the, one of the challenges of based on true stories is what do you change to make it more entertaining that doesn't undermine the themes oh, yeah. of the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. Um, and that's a, always a difficult thing. And what is the central theme? Because like, you know, with Jesus revolution, like it seemed to me that the problem that they're setting up is, you know, people turning away from the faith and, you know, cultural division. And yeah. it's like, you're kind of implying that the Jesus movement changed that. And therefore we should model ourselves after that today. And it's like, right. But if that central thing is not true, is that, are you lying to your audience? Right. And like, I say yes. And a lot of people, the faith-based community have told me very strongly that for them it's no. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that, that's an interesting conversation. Yeah. Cause I think, and kind of the point you make going back to what we talked about earlier is that the Jesus revolution does ultimately fall into, I guess we can call it a trap. Cause you and I both kind of think that way of like, evangelicalizing as the main point or like feeling good about yourself as the main point rather than just diving into this really interesting like time period and what it was like you're supposed to do something with it it's supposed to have a message it's supposed to have a call to action and again i think that's fine i think that for me i'm fascinated by the fact that we're combining religiosity and entertainment in this market in a way that's I don't know if it's unprecedented or not, at least, I, but I think it is interesting. Um, uh, and I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessarily entirely negative, but it's, it is like, then you better be sure that like you're telling the truth in your call to action. Um, because, you know, then, because otherwise there's like, you know, whenever like you're merging like institutions, whether it's religion or politics or like religion and faith or things like that, it's kind of like, okay, like, those two powerful forces, are they going to, when they're used badly, it just becomes, the bad becomes exponentially worse. And so those are questions worth asking. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, there, it's also, again, with the Jesus revolution, it's notable that it had, it was number three at the box office yeah. still. I mean, like that's, that's impressive for the weekend. Yeah, really now. I mean, to be behind cocaine bear and Ant-Man and the Watt, like that's, like right. that's impressive. Um, and the no, same and- that, Sound right. of Freedom being in, I think it's in the top 10 of the whole yeah. year. Like, that's impressive. That is. Um, and so kind of to wrap up the discussion about this year of Christian movies, the, at, at least so far, mm-hmm. mostly, I guess, spring and summer, um, and then what's coming in the future. It seems to me like there is a little bit more of a blend in in different ways and it's definitely not a coherent blend i don't think it's an intentional blend i don't think anybody is behind this at all but i mean you know we have except jesus except jesus (laughs) amen (laughs) uh but it you know we have kind of a new christian celebrity we have celebrities who are more willing to partake to participate in movies that explicitly discuss faith in if not you know, churchy ways, many positive ways. You have faith-based films that are charting high in the box office. 
um, which is notable. If not, I mean, it may be not be, it might not be record setting for this year, but it, you know, it's still notable that oh, yeah. among the top films of the year are Christian films. Um, you also have indie films, uh, drama films, Oscar worthy films that contain an element of faith, um, a creation narrative, a reference to another scriptural text, you know, um, you have all of these different things. Um, and so I'm curious to hear your take about like, is this blend going to continue in any real way to the point where, let's say, like the Irwin brothers would work with another mm. mainstream, like Hollywood director, like, you know, would work with sure, yeah. Christopher Nolan or David Fincher, you know, somebody who's making movies and are Christian audiences going to go, are, are going to start seeing a broader variety of faith-based films that I guess, you know, both within the studios that produce the movies that they have gone to see and beyond that. And yeah. And, you know, kind of what, what does that look like? And is that blend going to continue or is it just kind of going to be a mm, separate, but sort of maybe equal type of, you know, movies that faith-based films and movies that have religion in them kind of, going on side by side, doing their own little thing. Well, I don't have enough melanin in my skin to use the term separate but equal in an unironic fashion. But no. uh, I think that I think that it's going to be more chaotic. I think there's still too much identity wrapped up in the faith-based industry. Like we're not Hollywood. We're doing what Hollywood won't do. We're, you know, doing I think there's too much identity there that I don't think I think that, I mean, we're already seeing like some crossover, like, for example, um, Kelly Furman Craig, who directed and wrote, um, uh, what you call it, um, uh, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. She was, um, she wrote the first draft of, of, um, uh, Ordinary Angels, which is coming out, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think we're going to see, I, here's what I, <laughs> secular audiences are, have more appetite to talk about faith in secular movies. And faith-based people are getting better at doing the best of, of what Hollywood does, making high-quality films. So you're definitely going to see them start to resemble each other a lot more in certain mm -hmm. ways. Um, uh, so you're definitely going to see that. And you're definitely then going to see more crossover. I think it's going to take a lot longer for the creative talent behind that to, I think that, like, again, Christians are going to be kind of like, okay, if I, you know, a secular guy is going to direct one of our movies. We kind of want him to be Christian. Like we want, like, you know, Dennis Quaid in order, like he's always having to talk about his, his, how faith is important to him, even in order to, you know, do it. Same with Kelsey Grammer. So there still is this kind of like, you're one of us yeah. to participate in the faith-based films. And, you know, so even the actors, but still like there's more room for the actors. If it's an actual creative behind it. They're really going to have to be like, I am like so pro Jesus. And to be a certain degree, it's kind of like, well, of course that would be. It's kind of like, you know, if you talk about like the black film industry, you know, it's like the person you would want them to actually be black and part of black culture. That would be the expectation. And so I think my Christianity as a part of my identity in the creative side of faith-based films, I think will always be there. I don't think that you could have a faith-based film industry like without that. But there definitely has to be more crossover, uh, particularly at, at, you know, at other places of the spectrum. Um but I think they will start to resemble them each other a lot more. Um, but I think also there's definitely going to be that like if it's 
but the Hollywood is definitely going to, for the most part, be leaning deconstructive. You know, again, it's to be following the journey of Gen Z, which is that I'm not really fond of organized religion. I'm going to be, um, I'm going to deconstruct and figure it out and kind of create my own thing that I'm happy with. And I think that faith-based films are always going to be like, we're affirming the traditional understanding of these things for the most part. And I think that that's going to be the difference you're going to see is that, but that's the thing is, as the faith-based film industry becomes bigger, there's going to be more people in Hollywood who are going to be willing to say, I actually fall more in that camp and I'm going to make films under this banner as a proud Christian. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be more people who like are in the faith-based film industry that when they deconstruct, they're going to become part of Hollywood. I think that's what we're going to end up seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. I think, you know, you've mentioned Adam Sandler being a very proud Jew in his, in his life and in his work. And I think that's awesome. And I think part of the reason why so many Christians have not like, have not been that or not done that is because there is a lot of criticism about Christianity from from America, I mean, from from everywhere, but yeah, yeah. you know about their beliefs about queer people and um, their practices in you know tithing and evangelicalizing and politics and all of that. I mean, you know, some yeah. valid, some yeah. some that are maybe they run like, the range of valid to invalid, yes. like anything else. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but so you do kind of get that social ostracism. You become socially ostracized if you if you become the Bible thumping Christian right. in Hollywood, meaning that the only place you have to go is the faith based film industry. Um, and I think that I think that deconstruction that is happening in the world at large is kind of helping be against that because you have people who um, can make a movie about faith who can be like, yeah, faith has impacted my life in these ways. I don't know that I would consider myself, you know, um, but kind of still it means something to them and i guess my hope which is i meant i said this earlier but you know being a film critic and writing about these movies across the scale is that uh audiences would do the same thing that some that some actors are doing that some creatives are doing um not necessarily deconstructing their faith because i don't think it requires that you go that far or question or change your beliefs but i think uh my hope is that audiences would also start kind of broadening their horizons mm -hmm. being like, well, there's an element in this that I think is really interesting. And like, I think that could speak to my life because, you know, there are people that kind of like you said, uh, that believe that art is the best way to pass along a message. I don't know if it's the best, but I believe it's one of the, one of the best ways. Um, and so I hope that that I, I hope that that continues to be sure yeah no more voices and being part of more conversations is almost always better yeah and so being open to that is a great thing and i hope that yeah i hope that that happens as well on both sides i hope that um christians are more open to watching you know things that deal with religion in a way that's critical of it or at least complicated um and i hope that like secular people are more willing to watch movies that um take a, a positive spin on faith, you know, and as I, I think, and I think that they are, I think that people are, and that's a really, um, a really good and positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. I guess the exorcist is first in, in the upcoming yeah. one. Yes. There are multiples. 
Yeah, um, I mean, there's, I mean, yeah, I mean, for previous audience, there's that, there's Ordinary Angels. Yeah. Um, the, the um, Antonio Banderas yes. musical. Yes, Journey to Bethlehem. Journey to Bethlehem. I'm so excited. Okay, why is it? Why is it taking this long for somebody to decide that we should do the nativity story as like a Christmas musical? I don't like, know, because when I saw that, I was like, no way this hasn't been done before. Right. But like, it hasn't. No. So I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Awesome as the concept sounds. In yeah. My head. And then you have, um, you have obviously the shift, which is the next Angel Studios dystopian yeah. sci-fi multiverse story that comes out in December or January, something like that. You know, so you've got. I wonder what are what other ones am I forgetting? I think those are the main ones. There's so many, yeah, those yeah. are the main ones though. So, but yeah, so exciting, yeah, exciting, yeah. Well, you so, guys can find out what we think of them right here at Religion yeah, Unplugged. We will talk absolutely. about all of them. Yeah, so you can find mine and Joseph's and many of our other great writers' work on these movies and so many more, and TV shows and plays and movies and books on Religion Unplugged, and then stay tuned for more of our stuff on movies and TV. We're excited. So we hope you're excited too. You too. All right. All right. It was great to talk to you, Joseph. Thanks Thank so much. Thank you. You as well.